I don't think enough of us give enough credit to all the good podcasts and newsletters and video shows all over the country that each in their own way has taken a role in helping to expose the greatest lie of our generation, the hoax of black victimization and white racism. Say it's cool. Though Jerome stabbed a kid today, the violence was black on gay. But the media's nowhere to be seen, though a teacher got it in the spleen. Now, every day in the bigger media, we are told, happens all the time, explains everything, everywhere. I was thinking about that last night when I was on a show with a guy named Ethan Ralph. He has a newsletter called The Ralph Retort. I think his show is, might be called The Kill Stream. And he has a good show, good-sized audience. A lot of the show is devoted to comedy. And But sometimes, you know, like when I got on last night, I was actually a little worried about that. I thought, you know, is this going to be a comedy show? Because sometimes I think we get off some good liners, one-liners around here. But we're not a comedy show, and I'm not a professional comedian. But when we got there, we did. We settled in. We had a nice talk, lots of listeners. Lots of people knew my work, knew our work. And I mean, how many show I mean, how many but how many shows and how many personalities are like that out there? There's a ton. But all, a lot of us fall into the trap if it's not on the New York Times, if it's not on MSNBC, if it's not on CNN, if it's not in the places that we loathe, if it's not in the places that we have stripped of any credibility. Then we don't pay enough attention to it. We don't feel comfortable taking it around and sharing it with our friends. We got to get out of that trap because there's lots and lots of great sources of information. I was just thinking about that the other day when I saw Larry Larry Elder when he put that tweet out about okay, if there's a, re- a vaccine for white racism, is that going to cure 70% uh, black you know black children being born without fa- into fatherless families? Is that going to kill 7,000 black people killed every year by other black people? And on and on and on it went. And so so there's a lot of good stuff out there. And, and, and one of the things we talked about last night, just briefly, but it's something that, you know, I hear a lot. Somebody called up and said, boy, the show is very depressing because I was just sitting there telling the facts about black violence, black dysfunction, wildly out of proportion, Denial, deceit, delusion, the greatest lie of our generation. You guys know the drill. And I think the guy, you know, it's understandable. The guy said it was kind of depressing. And I I see it here uh, and other places because make no mistake about it. I mean, we are in the darkest days of the greatest lie of our generation ever since I started reporting on it almost 10 years ago. I've never seen so many major institutions in America come out and support the greatest lie of our generation, black victimization, white racism. I mean, I won't even list them all. I mean, mean, from the Department of Defense and Nike all the way down to your corner delicatessen. And the people who are not on that list, the people who speak out uh, like Drew Brees did yesterday, we'll get that to the minute. People are being snuffed out without even a backward glance. And so 
I understand if a lot of people feel a little unenergized, depressed, because the news seems uniformly negative. I mean, all over the country, it seems like there's an ocean of people standing up and trying to convince us that black people are victims of white racism. When what we document here is the opposite, is that black people are not the victims. They are the predators. They are the ones committing crimes wildly out of proportion. They are the ones in denial, deceit, delusion. We do that all the time here. So let's stay a little bit more open to the good things that happen, to the positive things we are making happen. Let's not depend on the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN. Let's not, a mistake I've made too, by the way, let's not depend on them to tell us how to think about where we are in this struggle it almost seems like the more it goes on, the more it seems like an existential, existential struggle to me between civilization and disorder. Again, if you just accept the paradigm of listening to all the major media, it seems like, man, everybody's like, like everybody's down with George Floyd. Everybody's down with that. What you know, the, how, how bad it was, and how he represents just a small piece of this enormous thing happening. That's his importance. Not what happened to him, but what happened to him is happening, we are told, every day, a hundred times a day, and it's happening to all black people. And it happened to my grandfather, and that, that blood still beats in my veins, so I'm allowed to come in here on your TV show and pretend as if it happened to me. Well, listen, there's a lot of strong people in this country. There's a lot of strong people who just, maybe they're not tied, you know, tied at the hip with all these major media outlets. Maybe they're not being spoon-fed their ideas and their opinions and their worldview from Anderson Cooper or even Bill Hemmer. These people are just, you know, they're just regular people. They live in the middle of nowhere in places you and I have never heard of, never been. But they believe in protecting their families. They believe they know right from wrong. And they're not going to let anybody come in there and tell them different. And they're not going to let anybody come into their neighborhood, into their house, and hurt them. No, that's just not an option for them. We talked about this yesterday out in Philadelphia, where... It wasn't just South Philly, but it was all over Philly. There were people standing on rooftops with guns, protecting stores, protecting their neighborhoods. And the Philadelphia papers went, media went ballistic over the vigilantes, the same people that just basically saw this, saw the looters, saw the rioters, saw the fellas take their town apart brick by brick, board by board, window by window, pair of sneaker by sneaker. The same people are looked at and it said, well, you know, we'll get around to stopping it tomorrow. They still haven't stopped it. The only reason it's stopping is because people are getting bored and they're running out of places to loot. But there are bright spots. Oh, so, yeah, so the Philadelphia media said, oh, no, that's the, that's the worst thing that could happen. These white people with guns in their neighborhood protecting themselves. When actually it's a great thing to happen. It's a great thing when people defend themselves. Got to know how to do it. I mean, we're going to talk a minute about a guy in Minnesota that might be getting jammed up for doing just that. 
But let's talk about this. Uh, there's a group out, and there's a, there's a little town called Yucaipa, California. California has a lot of towns like this. They're kind of new. They're kind of, they're not in that, you know, if you ever listen to Victor David Hansen, he talks about how California is really ruled by these coastal elites that live within a mile of the coast. And as you move inland, you get to be, get to more middle class, you get to more working class neighborhoods like we're about to see here. These guys all drive pickup trucks. They're, they're probably plumbers and carpenters and work with their hands. They go home every day, give their money to their wives and, uh, you know, let their kids abuse them while they're out in the backyard making steaks. So this, but this is Yukaipa. Yukaipa, they heard that a bunch of fellas and people from Antifa, Antifa were going to come to their town and wreak havoc in their town. Those guys said, well, they didn't want to hear any, they didn't want any part of that. So let's listen to the commentary of these Antifa guys going into Yukaipa and getting the hell beat out of them by these white guys with guns who could, who, the only thing they didn't do was tar them and feather them. It ain't going good at all. They just beat the ever-loving snot out of three or four guys, and it's going again. God damn it. The, the Antifa guys are not doing well here. They're all getting the shit kicked out of them. It's going bad. The Antifa guys are being chased like crazy. Told you, Yukaipa ain't the place to be. Those are Antifa guys running. Antifa guys are, they're getting the shit kicked out of them. Oh no, this isn't fair, guys. This isn't fair. Come on. The Antifa guys are just, just you can't come to Yukaipa with this shit. You can't come to Yukaipa. They're getting the fucking shit kicked out. Get out of here! Go home! Go home! Get out of here! Get the fuck out of here! Here's your shoe! Hey! Homie! Hey! Here's your shoe, dog! Enough, guys. We don't need we don't need to follow them. We don't I know we don't need to follow them. They've had enough. Holy shit, it shit's hitting the fan here, but like I said, this Yukaipa, the Antifa guys got their ass hand. Those guys, none of those guys were waiting around. I got the feeling those guys would have been out there by themselves as necessary, but they kind of like a bunch of like-minded people just happened to show up at the same time. So we don't have to wait around. We don't have to depend on the opinions and the approval of others to, to, to see what is right, to know what is right, to do what is right. And there's nobody on this God-given earth that could take away the right of self-defense from any single one of us. That's also the kind of thing they were listening, they were talking about last night in Snohomish County in Washington State. Same deal, little town, middle of nowhere. What's the name of the town? Is the name of the town? Uh, I don't know what the name of the town is. But there's a bunch of, uh, uh, again, the, the word went out that the fellas from Seattle were going to be going inland to hit some of the suburbs, hit white people where they live, where they fleed because of the ethnic cleansing that took place in the big cities. The white people fleed to the, the suburbs. Now, the word came out that the fellas were coming out, it's going to follow them to the suburbs. In Snohomish County, you know, there were 100 white people on the street. 
in the last couple days with guns, big guns, standing in front of homes, standing in front of streets, standing in front of coffee shops. They were just standing there, legally, forcefully, firmly, bravely. And when I think of bravery, I don't even think about the bravery that it took to, con- to, to confront and to repel any kind of potential invasion of Antifa or Black Lives Matter on their bucolic little town. I'm thinking of all the damage that could be done to them and their family, their reputations, their jobs, their careers. Once the newspaper started publishing these pictures and started condemning them for it. These are dark days. And the dark days are, are, gonna, are going to get better because of brave people like that who are making things happen, making a statement that we don't have to put up with this black bullshit. Part of my bad language. There's another story out of Florida. I'm not sure what part of Florida this is. Anyway, the port is, so there's a bunch of, it's just a cul-de-sac. I think it's a, a couple, of, we're going to hear about 20 seconds of a lady. Might be lovely ladies, I'm not sure, but their libs, whatever color they are. They're driving around and they see these white guys, like 20 or 30 of them, standing around their cul- in a cul-de-sac in their community in front of a road with guns, again, to, to, to ward off any kind of invasion, any kind of unwelcome presence, any kind of, bu- any kind of business from people with bad intentions who want to destroy their property, threaten their families. No, these guys are not going to put up with that. And, and you can hear from the commentary in the car you can hear these two women who are just freaking out that a guy with a family would actually be standing with a gun to defend that family. He has a gun right there in the black guys, shirt. This is in the Bellevue. guy with the black gun. Okay, well, look, look, look. This is in Bellevue. Both these. We're really out here. Okay, no, I got you. I got you. All these white people. Look at them with their guns. Look at that little boy. He's a young man with a gun. Oh my God. He's like 16. So there's two stories in the news, one in Omaha, one in Minneapolis, same story. That's the same story we covered yesterday in Philly uh, when we covered the story about the four fellas going to a gun shop at 4 a.m., try to loot the place. They, didn't, they were not counting on the owner of the gun shop being there, shot one of the fellas, killed him, wounded another, two got away. Well, that's what happened in Omaha, storekeeper, fellas were lo- trying to loot the place, one of the fellas had a guy had a gun, shot it in the air, warning shots, don't do that. But he did that, so somebody attacked him. He used the gun in self-defense to kill the guy who was attacking him. People in Omaha are going, that guy should be in jail for first-degree murder. A lot of fellas. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of fellas in Omaha. You didn't know that? Nebraska. But the cops and the DA said, no, the guy was defending himself. But here's a story out of Minneapolis. A couple nights ago, a guy named John Reeple, he owns a shop called Cadillac Pawn and Jewelry. He, you know, he, 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 he looked on some kind, I think he had a cameras up and he realized their alarms were off. There were people in his place, looting his place. He goes down there with a gun, shoots somebody who was looting, actively looting his store. That night, they arrested him, took him to jail, booked him. Well, they took him to jail. They didn't book him. They haven't decided what they're going to do with him yet. I don't think he's been charged yet because they kind of took him in, let him stay the night in jail, then they kicked him loose. By the way, after they took him away from protecting his jewelry store and pawn shop, oh yeah, the fellas went back in there with a vengeance 
and they finished what their dead comrade had started a few hours before that. Okay, so that's and so this that's a white guy killed a black guy. So we're we're not sure what's going to happen to him. Okay, so I don't know what even this is worth, but somehow it changes things. Maybe a little, maybe a lot. I don't know. So the Cadillac Pawn, you know, who their main customers were the fellas. Their main pro one of their main products, the big pieces of gold and jewelry and. That, and 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 net gold necklaces and ropes and all these other designs with people's initials on it, big fat watches. That was their main business. They had commercials reminding people if you wanted to come down for this or that that you're going to need for your next hip hop video. Oh yeah, come on down. We'll do it here. So if you ever wondered like where they're getting all this crazy gold and jewelry, you see you know, on these hip hop videos. This guy John Reeple, who has now been, who now might be charged with murder, um, well, he was one of the guys doing it. So I guess this summer might turn out to be the summer of apology. Everybody's apologizing. God, what a weak move. Listen, if you don't have the intestinal fortitude to speak out on this stuff, then don't. If you feel like you want to speak out, but you can't, support people who can, like good old Colin. Easy to do. Drew Brees fits into that category. Listen to the brave Mr. Brees talking about a, something that happened a couple of years ago, which he must have thought that he could safely comment on. Tell me what you think of this statement. Here's Drew Brees. I will never agree with anybody disrespecting the flag of the United States. He said it reminded of his grandfather, both of whom were in World War II. In many cases, it brings me to tears thinking about all that has been sacrificed, and not just in the military, but for that matter, throughout the civil rights movement of the 60s, and all that has been endured by so many people up to this point. Okay, so I guess in this world, we can understand why Brew Brees had to jackhammer that little sentence in there about... Yeah, you know, dissing the flag means you're disrespecting the civil rights movement of the 60s when I was marching with Martin and Selma and they sick the dogs and fire hoses on us. So Drew Brees must have thought that that little sop, that little dog bone he threw to that pack of dogs was going to help, was going to deflect any potential criticism from him. Oh, no, of course it did. No, all that did was that was strictly gasoline on the flames. All of a sudden, all of his teammates, the GOAT, LeBron James, came out, all said the same thing, which is how offended they were that Drew Brees doesn't understand the uh, kneeling down, he doesn't understand this, doesn't understand that, doesn't understand our struggle, and he's a bad person. And anybody knows how this goes, it kind of gathers steam. Drew Brees, go, normally the cycle is, you know, gather steam, person goes into hiding, person denies it, person apologizes, then the person is driven out of the business. So Drew Brees tried to get ahead of that cycle a little bit. And within hours of putting out that statement in an interview, I think with Yahoo Sports, Drew Brees put out an apology, just the, the broadest possible apology, saying, I apologize to my teammates, to fans, the black community and everybody else 
who might have been offended at anything I said. I didn't mean it. Blah, blah, blah. I was stupid. I was insensitive. The whole thing. Mr. Big Shot quarterback got sacked. And it's kind of embarrassing to see. Let's go to the next apology. The Philadelphia Inquirer. So remember, you didn't even have to be a reporter to see this. Just watch local news, the local coverage in Philadelphia. You could see the fellas taking that town apart brick by brick by brick, by window by window, by pair of shoes, by pair of shoes, by watch, by everything. Okay? Bam. And so the Philadelphia Inquirer, some wise guy at the Inquirer slash Philadelphia Daily News. It's all one paper now. One website. He put up a headline, said, Buildings Matter. I don't know if he said two. He said, Buildings Matter too. That was the headline. Oh, man. The crap hit the fan. People at the New York Times, I mean, people at the Philadelphia Inquirer were people who worked there. They're super pissed off that the paper could be, you know, mocking or doing a parody of Black Lives Matter, and they said buildings matter too. Here's a story out of a, a sympathetic outlet called Payday Report. Payday Report has learned dozens of reporters employed by the Philadelphia Inquirer or going out on a sick-out strike tomorrow over the paper's coverage of race. Quote, As journalists of color, that's J-O-C, jocks, as jocks, we do more than report on the community. We are the community. We do our best to give the community a platform to be heard. We strive to represent the voice of the people. We are tired. We're tired of hasty apologies and silent corrections when someone screws up. We're tired of workshops and worksheets and diversity panels. We're tired of working for months and years to gain the trust of our communities. Communities that have long had good reason not to trust our profession, only to see that trust eroded in an instant by careless, unempathetic decisions. It's no coincidence that communities hurt by systemic racism only see journalists in their neighborhoods when people are shot or buildings burned down. It takes commitment to correct and improve that relationship. Okay, you get the picture. It goes on and on and on and on. This is written by people who are supposed to be relatively dispassionate observers of what's happening in Philadelphia when it turns out they're no such thing. They're just on the... You know, the weird, you know, the ironic thing about this, of course, is that fellas are not known to be readers of daily newspapers. That's not where they get their news and information. Fellas, you know, fellas don't read white newspapers. They read black papers. 
Just like they go to black movies, black churches. It's like they want, listen to black music. They wear black clothing. They drink black booze. Yeah, the fellows are not really into uh, the stuff they see at the Enquirer and the Daily News. Now, the Enquirer and the Daily News figured this out a, a, a while ago, and they decided they were going to like hire lots and lots of black people on their staff, and it was going to be, and they were going to turn that paper into a place that is openly sympathetic to affirmative action, racial quotas, people of color. I mean, I think it was, I think it was kind of a question of, well, we tried everything else. What else can we do to make this paper work? Because that paper was one of those papers that went through a couple of couple of different transactions. One of the first ones it went through was when they used to have two papers in town, the Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News, and um, they had they combined them. And they thought, okay, you know, we'll combine them. We'll get rid of all the slack. That way, we'll be able to produce news. And maybe even make a buck or two along the way. Well, that didn't work. Then they got a billionaire to buy it. He looked at it and he sold it to some other billionaire. Finally, they went through a succession of owners. And finally, the last one said, listen, this thing doesn't pencil out as a business, okay? Too much money going out. Not enough coming in. At no point did any of these billionaires, the same thing happen with the company that owns the LA Times. At no point do any of these billionaires ever take a half a step back and say, Huh, maybe people just don't like what we're putting in our paper because the papers have a definite point of view. They have a bias. Philadelphia, the bias is remarkable. Easy to see. My favorite is, uh, well, my favorite example of that was a columnist by the name of Janice Armstrong. So, uh, a year or so ago up in Temple University in North Philadelphia, one of the truly dangerous and dark neighborhoods in the entire country, chocolate neighborhood, 200 fellas on video rampaged through Temple, beating up white kids, putting six of them in the hospital. So the papers covered it. Nobody, nobody talked about the racial angle of it, how black people are... are a constant threat to Temple students in the middle of that neighborhood and how Temple students are targets for black people when they go off campus. I mean, that's just, it's just not something the local papers talk about. Even, you know, one, one home invasion after another, one ro strong arm robbery after another, one assault after another, everybody just pretends it's like, well, you know, that's just a thing in our neighborhood. And that happens everywhere, Colin. Yeah, happens everywhere. It's not just black people around Temple attacking white students. So, Colin, you can go F yourself. Anyway, so, so, so Janice Armstrong, a couple of days after this huge riot at Temple University, yeah, 200 people going around beating up people and destroying property. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a huge riot. And so Janice Armstrong, this is a black woman who moved to Philly a couple years ago. Every single column she writes is about the black thing. Everyone. Everyone. Go check it. She's not alone. And the reason I bring this up now is because on this particular column, after the 200 fellows rampaging through Temple beating up white kids, she wrote a column reminding everybody 
that we don't have to make the temple thing about race. Why are you making it about race? Why is everybody making this about race? Boy, you people I really have some deep-seated problems. You're always looking at race. Every single column she writes is about race. She's not the only one. The paper, every, every editor, top to bottom, sees the world through the lens of race. There simply is no countervailing point of view. It's like the New York Times said this morning, uh, T- Senator Tom Cotton had an editorial in yesterday or today's New York Times. Just an op-ed on the New York Times. People know that's an opinion. And all of a sudden, you know, all these people at work at the Times are getting all, they got their union to get pissed off. They're tweeting out saying something like, the black staffers at the New York Times are going to be in danger because of this article. All the article said was, hey, let's bring out the National Guard if, if these riots continue, let's bring out the military to restore order to our streets. At one point, I think it was in the statement by the newspaper guild, or maybe by one of the reporters, they said, listen, we're tired of reporting. We're tired of people telling us to, re, you know, to, to include different points of view in our articles when, when it comes to race, there is no other point of view. Yeah, they actually, these are reporters New York Times, national quality reporters actually say things like that. There is no other point of view other than ours. We know what that point of view is. Black people are relentless victims of relentless white racism all the time, everywhere. That explains everything. And now the reporters at the Philadelphia Inquirer, a paper that is just hanging on by its fingernails anyway, you know, they're going to all go out on a sick, sick leave Friday, today. You know, when the last billionaire bought the paper, he turned it into a nonprofit. I think he stuck $60 million in the bank and he said, okay, here, look. I'm sorry, kind of, I'm reading between the lines here. I'm sorry I ever f- heard about you guys. I, I'm sorry I ever thought I was smart enough to turn this paper around without firing each and every reporter in there and turning it into a real newspaper with real points of view, with real diversity. That's not what it is now. It's just a predictable, stale paper. That's why circulation's down, advertising's down. And, and, you know, they've adopted a point of view for readers that don't exist. The fellas don't read the Philadelphia Inquirer. Never have. Even when you put in all these black writers, it doesn't make a difference. That's not the people who are reading the Inquirer, depending upon it for information, reading the ads, go buying that car, go buying that home, go buying that fur coat or that watch. That's not where the fellas are getting their information on how to make those decisions. Yet the Philadelphia Inquirer now, you know, they issued this major apology. Oh, man, we're so, you know, it's one of these, just like the Drew Brees thing. It's like, oh, man, we're so, so sorry. We tried to be clever with our ad. Buildings matter, too. It was just like this guy that got fired yesterday in, in Sacramento, the sportscaster. He wanted to be part of the, he wanted to be down with the cause. He wanted to gently educate the people listen to his sports show. He wanted to use his platform for good by reminding people that all lives matter. Oh, no. No. Bing, bam, boom. They fired his ass on the spot from the Sacramento Kings play-by-play. They fired him from his radio talk show. Good riddance to bad rubbish. I said, aren't we sometimes kind of like the frogs? In the boiling and in, in the pan of water, if you stick a frog in a pan of boiling water, what's it do? It just jumps the hell out. Worse for the wearer, I'm sure. 
But if you put it in warm water, you turn it up, turn the heat up gradually, you know, the frog will get boiled without a, a bit of uh, opposition. I, I feel like sometimes we're the frogs. And the heat's going up. And we look around and we see people getting fired just for saying all lives matter. And I wonder, I mean, don't we, doesn't, isn't everybody in this country now getting the message that free speech is a thing of the past. Alex Berenson, he, he, he wrote, Alex Berenson wrote a great book a couple of years ago on marijuana. It was one of these, you know, counter, counter paradigm books. And he said, hey, I hate to be the skunk at the garden party, but there's a lot of things that people aren't talking about in this national discussion of how we, we can't legalize pot quickly enough. How it's all good. It's good for cancer. It's good for this. It's good for that. He goes, look, yeah, here's what it is. And he reminded people of stuff that a lot of people know, that 10 to 15% of the people who use pot are addicted to it, how young people using it has bad effects on this, how it exacerbates certain mental conditions. Not for the good. Anyway, so Berenson wrote that, and uh, I, I, it was a good book, a lot of attention, and I was glad to see that come out like that. Now he's doing the same thing with the coronavirus. He's been like the most credible, kind of leading the resistance to the whole idea of what's happening with coronavirus. So today he tweeted out, his book is not on Amazon. And trying to pretend like he's the only guy in America who ever had a book removed from Amazon, or trying to pretend he's the only guy who had his book removed who didn't deserve it. So I've been there, Mr. Alex Berenson. Yeah, I've been there, but you know, I'm sorry. I just, I guess I should muster out more sympathy for the people who get kicked off this platform or that platform. And the day they get kicked off is the day they discover be people are getting kicked off platforms is a very important topic that everybody in America should be discussing, especially my platform. So that's the world we live in now. I mean, is that okay with you? Is that okay that, I mean, does anybody even mention the backward expression, free speech anymore? Is that even a thing anymore or are we so busy apologizing we haven't even noticed we've just given it up you know the riots now they seem like they're in the we're in the downslope of the riot stage of the george floyd cape episode i mean it seems like the violence peaked now it's still happening but it's starting to peter out a little bit again just for no other reason than that people are running out of places to loot I saw a video in Wilmington where the guy was riding his bike around downtown Wilmington. He was very explicit. He goes, hey, man, they just looted three places. They looted the pawn shops, they looted the jewelry stores, and they looted the sneaker shops. That's the only places that really got looted. The other places got, you know, busted up, but, you know, no real damage. Everybody focused on those three places. And so I think, you know, uh, th those places are kind of played out, at least for the time being. And so it's tempting to say, okay, the new, all the bad news is over. We can handle all the bad news from here on out because it's petering out. But no, it turns out the bad news, well, <sighs> bad news is just beginning. I mean, last night in New York City, I mean, cops, Wednesday night in New York City, Cops are getting two, two cops shot in Brooklyn, another one stabbed. I mean, how many dozens and dozens of cops are being hurt just in New York City alone? And you get the mayor, de Blasio, up there. Say, yeah, we're going to have a curfew at 11 o'clock. What kind of curfew is 11 o'clock? Anyway, so here's, the, you know, so let's, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, let's make it worse. Why don't we start in St. Louis, where the attorney general down in St. Louis is astonished to learn 
that the whatever they call her in St. Louis, the district attorney of St. Louis, all these places have funky little names of their own. She's essentially the DA of St. Louis. She was taking all the people who were arrested for rioting, for violence, and she was letting them out the minute they got down to the station. The Attorney General of Missouri was astonished. Nobody in St. Louis was. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner is responding on camera to the Missouri Attorney General for the first time. While the AG continues to fuel the division in the community at a time of great pain, suffering, and racial divide, my response to the AG, I got work to do. Eric Schmidt earlier today in it, he wrote that Gardner released every single looter and rioter that was arrested Monday night back onto the streets. Gardner claims that accusation is misleading. The police department brought to my office a group of eight individuals involving stealing for prosecution. We need the police to bring admissible evidence to charge. My office cannot issue any case when there is not admissible evidence, point blank. And by law, a person has to be released in 24 hours if they're not charged. Police tell News 4 there have been 36 protest-related arrests and they're still investigating. Attorney General Schmidt says his office is working with federal authorities to prosecute those who committed violence downtown. You know, and the same thing happened in Philadelphia. Same thing happened in New York. There are people and lots of other places. Criminal, okay, let's talk about criminal justice reform. Let's hear this little excerpt from Tucker where he actually talks to a U.S. attorney in, in Philly, and he's the one that's kind of leading the resistance to this George Soros DA that was elected in Philly. He's the one that's elected on the promise of, you know, too many black people in prison, let's let them all out, criminal justice reform. Sometimes the people that are against the George Soros types, that are in favor of common sense, law and order, sometimes are a little gentle for my taste, and that might be the case for this McSwain, but let's just hear him anyway. He's, he's firing a few shots across their bow. People have been arrested in riots around the country, but thanks to criminal justice reform, stopping rioters will be impossible in many places, and it shows. In New York City, the NYPD has arrested about 700 people for rioting and looting and violence and vandalism wrecking our country over the past couple of days. But almost all of them will be set free immediately without paying any bail. Why? the state's brand new bail reform law. When they use the word reform in it, it almost always means we're going backward. And that's true in Philadelphia too. Rioters there will get similar leeway thanks to the policies of DA Larry Krasner. Bill McSwain is watching all of this up close and personally. He's the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Philadelphia, the federal prosecutor, and he joins us tonight. Bill McSwain, thanks so much for coming on. So we're watching this happen. I, I saw fires in Center City the other day in Philadelphia. And it sounds like you all can't do that much about it. What well, has been a rough few days in Philadelphia, Tucker. And really, I think that we're at an important moment in Philadelphia's history and in our nation's history where we yes. can go down one of two paths. We can either go down a positive path of peaceful protests, respect for democracy, racial healing, or we can go down a destructive path of crime and lawlessness, and as you put it, bending to the mob. And I know what path that I want to go down. I know what path the federal government wants to go down and the U.S. Attorney's Office wants to go down. So we are working very hard to step in and make sure that there's accountability and punishment for the rioting and the looting and the arson and the things that we've seen. 
I, I just have to pause. This is so off topic, but I can't control myself. As an American, do you think if we take the path of chaos and lawlessness and mob rule, people will live here? I mean, who would live in a country like that voluntarily? Seriously. Well, I think that the vast majority of people want to take the positive path. Yes, I we're agree. Seeing a, we're seeing a small percentage of people try to hijack our democracy, and it's important that we stand up, and it's important that we condemn the acts that we're seeing, and not with sugarcoating it or making excuses or hedging, but full-throated, unequivocal condemnation. And that's certainly what I'm trying to do. And I think that, that what my brothers and sisters in the federal government throughout the U.S. Attorney's offices across the country and the, with the Department of Justice are also doing. That's exactly right. And, but you're up against people who are totally determined to subvert our system, our democracy, as you just said. Well, we have a specific problem in Philadelphia, as you uh, alluded to, Mr. Krasner. He's actually scolding the media in Philadelphia for showing the pictures of the rioting, the looting, the arsons, the burning of the police cars and the like, because that steps on his narrative that this is all legitimate protest. And he's not at all interested in putting any of these people in jail or having any accountability. No. So again, the federal government is having to step into that accountability vacuum because I think that we do speak for the majority, the vast majority of That's Americans. That's exactly right. I'm really glad you come on the show. You have come on the show and continue to. Bill McSwain, thanks so much. I think Tucker got into this, but it, it, it's worth amplifying a little bit. So we've been talking about criminal justice reform from day one, right? At first, incredulously, like when I first heard about it, that people wanted to start letting people out of everybody out of jail on zero bail. I thought, well, that's kind of a stupid idea. That will never happen. Yeah, that's happening now. Then when I heard that other people are saying, well, we got to let all the nonviolent people out of prison because they don't belong there. They belong back in their community coaching Little League. And that's why we, you know, got to let Floyd George out of prison. And that's why we have to memorialize him as a great person. Because when he wasn't robbing people, using fentanyl, using methamphetamine, smoking pot, passing funny money, and doing all sorts of other bad business, Christianity Today tells us, he was a great guy, a role model who had who had a lot of church in his life. A lie! But man, we look back on this criminal justice reform, so-called criminal justice reform. It wasn't a debate. Man, it was a it was a steamroller. And all they all we kept hearing was nonviolent people. Let's let them out. Nonviolent, nonviolent. So we get some legitimately violent people we catch in the act of the worst kind of violence. Mob violence, anarchy, something that strikes at the very core of what makes this a country. We catch them. We catch them red-handed. We catch them on video. We catch them in front of witnesses. We take them down to the police station in St. Louis, Philly, New York, Baltimore, all over the country. And what happens? We just let them go. Nobody's getting booked. Nobody's spending a night in jail. Very rarely, anyway. This whole criminal justice reform Looking back on this from the viewpoint of our riot, what happens to people who are arrested for rioting, which is probably the purest form of violence? I mean, we look back on it, it's like, man, everything they said was a lie. Everything they said about criminal justice reform was a big fat lie. And now during this coronavirus epidemic, we let out 67,000 more people out of the prisons. 
And now bad things are happening all over the country. Everybody's trying to put one and one together. It keeps coming up too, but we look turn on the television, they keep telling us one and one plus three, two and two make five. So keep counting out your fingers. One, two, three, four. That's what two plus two make. That's not going to change no matter how many times Anderson Cooper looks very earnestly into the camera and tries to convince us that black crime is not a thing. White crime is a thing. Black criminality is not wildly out of proportion. White criminality is, especially cops going roaming the country, killing black people all the time, everywhere, and that explains everything. There's another little apology. So this growth, I think, this might have been Philly, I'm not sure. Anyway, this little deli, they had a shop in some downtown, might have been Philly. Yeah, Philadelphia. The DeBruno Brothers. You know, bakery, whatever, you know. And uh, after the riots, they put up a little sign in Philly saying, hey, we're really grateful to the first responders. Everybody said, you know, we're still in this first responder euphoria from the pandemic, rightfully so. But then they, got, I guess they thought they could carry it over to the first responders to black crime and violence. Oh, no, because the people that run De Bruno bakeries, they forgot one little thing that we don't talk. We don't talk about enough here. Crime is the new black entitlement. That should be the name of every single one of these video stories about the, the rioters, the peaceful protesters going in and out of stores. Largely peaceful, Colin. Don't worry about those looters. They're outliers. Crime is the new black entitlement, and the people at Bruno didn't realize that because after they put up a sign saying cops get free coffee and donuts here as gratitude, fellas and lovely ladies and their enablers in Philadelphia, including the people over at the Philadelphia Inquirer, happy to spread it around. They had a conniption forcing the people of at the De Bruno brothers to go all do Drew Breeze on us. But now, they say in a letter to the community, you may be aware of a situation this past Monday at our Chestnut Street location involving the offer of complimentary lunch to Philadelphia police officers. The decision was made in haste after a night of destruction and looting, period. It was insensitive, and we sincerely apologize. The sign was removed. The policy is we've, was revoked. In subsequent days, we have been challenged to look at our actions, to be self-reflective on the impact that they had on our employees in our community. You've heard this all before. The guy just goes full Drew Brees. Reminding everybody, black lives matter. Black people are relentless victims of relentless white racism all the time, everywhere. That explains everything. Crime is the new black entitlement. The only thing they didn't say, but which was between the lines, was, hey, during the next riot, we promise we will be more cooperative. We'll, we'll unlock all of our freezers. Yeah, we're going to have to ask you to break the windows and come in, but we won't board up the windows. We'll leave the money on the counter. We'll make it up to you. Believe me. Everybody feels like they have to apologize. Everybody feels like they have to kneel down. Everybody feels like they're totally in the thrall of, the, of these institutions running our country that have now declared crime is the new black entitlement. Meanwhile, around the rest of the country, black crime is just proceeding apace. 
as it as if the riots never happened as it's been happening for a long time just like this crazy ass story about a black guy who sets a white guy's car on fire while the white guy's in the car this man, Warren Clarkson, is behind bars tonight on attempted murder charges after he reportedly doused a car in gasoline and set it on fire with someone still inside. Wilmington police were called to McClammy Street around 2.30 this morning about a vehicle on fire. Officers say Clarkson took a fuel can and covered the car in gas while the victim, a 65-year-old man, was asleep inside. The victim was able to get out and was treated for minor burns. The couple who owns the car saw the flames from inside their house and put the fire out with a garden hose before the fire department arrived. They say it was a miracle their friend's injuries weren't more severe. I know the hair on his arms were singed. Um, he had a burn on his face. Um, but he got out of the car with the flames like going above his head. He was still in the car when it was set on fire. Yeah, they were at least six feet above his head. Yeah. When he opened the door, they were going above his head. Yeah. Police say it was an isolated incident. and Let's hit the back stretch here. I was talking about guys that run these shows and podcasts and videos and how there are so many good ones out there, but how maybe some of us don't pay enough attention to them because they don't have the same audience as the New York Times or CNN, but they give out great information. One guy that does that is a guy named... Um, Amy, or was it AMI? Amy Horowitz. AMI. Anyway, so he went to the streets, put his microphone in the, the mouth of all the, in front of the people who were out there looting, in front of all the people who were rioting, in front of all the people who are throwing rocks at cops and rocks at stores and all this other stuff. And he said, what are you guys doing out here? So why don't we listen to about two or three minutes of Mr. Amy Horowitz, where he gets some... Well, maybe not startling to us, startling to other people, where the fellas pretty much come out and say, yeah, we're in it for the sneakers. I'm e. Horowitz, and this country has been gripped in protest and violence because of the George Floyd killing. The epicenter of that is here in Minneapolis. So I came to find out what's going on. The media narrative has been that the protesters and the violence are distinct. But the vast majority of protesters that I spoke to went out of their way to justify, in a non-socially distanced way, the anarchic orgy of violence. We're attacking big known businesses like Apple, Boost, uh, let's see, Target, Walmart, Best Buy, all of that Gucci, whatever the y'all like, you better lock your door. George this is Floyd. us saying, hey man, you're not giving it to us, so we're gonna take it. Of course. What do you expect them to do? Google, Microsoft, all that bullshit. That's all built up. That's all slavery money. If anybody's a thief, it's America. So when we take it back or we burn it down, yeah. We getting back what's ours. You won't give it up? Okay, you ain't having it no more. If they didn't kill a black man, their stores wouldn't get burned down. Do we have to burn it down to rebuild it without racism? Yes. They count that hope. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Sometimes we got to act out. It sucks that all this happening, that all the small businesses are getting burnt down. But, but without that, where would we be? This country was built on violence. And when people are had enough of the violence that y'all have against us and we give it back to y'all, y'all wouldn't be mad. The FBI came here in three days because we're FBI. rioting. So that it's because we're tearing it's yeah, true. Right. You come for me, I'm coming for you. Point blank. Should we defund 
the cops. Yes. 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 Definitely. We should demilitarize. Nah, you know, I think, bro, I think we should kill them bitches. But you know, hey. So do you think America has it coming? America has it coming if they don't stop right now. Revolution! Yeah. Revolution! If the night wasn't intense enough, I saw a young thug threaten and then attack an older man with a thick stick and stones. Okay, let's do a programming note. I'm checking into the spa on Monday. I may have a show or two in the can uh, for Monday, maybe even Tuesday. I'm not sure yet. But I'm going to be in the spa for, for a couple days in between my Manny, my Manny and Petty, in between putting cucumbers in my eyes and that exotic mud bath and all those massages they give you in these places, these spas, uh, I'm going to go in for what they're telling me is going to be major surgery on my stomach, so I'll be out of action for a couple days. So my guess is I'll be down for a week, try to come back a week, uh, a week from Monday. So I appreciate all the well wishes, and I know I'm going to come out of this stronger and better than before. They said that once you're done this, they come back and three months later, they're just going to patch me up and send me on my way. So uh, thanks for all the well wishes. Thanks for sticking with me while I go through this stuff and I miss a few podcasts, miss a few videos. Looking forward to getting back to doing at least one video a day. But let me get my health back. Let me get my strength back. But in the meantime, thanks all you guys for sticking with me. Sticking with me with all the contributions to subscribe star. You can you can figure out how to do that by go uh, and, and Zelle and Apple Pay. All all the information how do you you know sign up for subscribe star? It's over at Colin uh, minds.com slash Colin Flaherty. Just hit the link, bing bam boom, there you are at subscribe star. Very, very important. Thank you for your support. Lots of different kinds of support, not just the people who keep us afloat here but the people who send us stories the people who send me cards the people who encourage me the more i do this stuff the more podcasts i make the more videos i make the more and more dependent i am on you guys it's not something i've ever had to worry about or even think twice about because people are so attached to this material they're so attached to exposing the greatest lie of our generation i get so much support so many stories can't do even one tenth of what you guys send me and 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 even as now you know th we were talking earlier this might be the darkest days of this entire effort because of the number of people the number of institutions that are out there spreading the greatest lie of our generation well that means more is being asked of us we're being challenged some of you guys just put your hands in the air and said colin it's too much for me now the forces against us are too big. They're too strong. They're too powerful. I can't, I just, I can't, I can't be a part. I, I just don't think I can make a difference. A lot of people are doing that. But just like the guys in Philly, just like the guys in Yukaipa, just like the guys in Snoqualmie County, just like the guys down in Florida, there's a lot of people who say, I'm going to fight for what is good. I'm going to fight for what is right. I'm going to fight for keeping this country on the, on on a on a path that made it the greatest country in the world. And that's what we're going to continue to do here. So so thank you for everything that you do. Don't get discouraged. If you feel like you're getting discouraged, do more.
Look harder for stories. Look harder for videos. Add a few more coins to my cup over at Subscribestar or at Apple Pay or at Zelle or to my house. I know these are dark days. I know a lot of people feel overwhelmed. But I only have one thing to say. Well, two things to say in response to that. One, we're just getting started. And two, even if that makes the black kids angry. On a cold and gray Chicago morn, Mr. Smollett was attacked by a unicorn in the ghetto. Baby mama cries. And if there's one thing that we don't need, it's another Roman band of white violent gangs in the ghetto. Don't you understand? It was Nigerians at 2 a.m. coming back from Subway. Take a look at you and me. Are we too blind to see? White guys and Africans are exactly the same. And his skin burns in the ghetto. Another mama throws a guilt tirade Another donor plays the dad charade In the ghetto In the ghetto A lovely lady destroys a liquor store And her fella pulls a gun ends up on the floor In the ghetto And her baby daddy dies In the ghetto And then one night in desperation A sharp den starts to break Victimhood on NPR Tries to convince But he doesn't get far Cause he's full of lies In the ghetto As you listen to Elvis singing his new hit Tell where he can stick all of his bullshit In the ghetto Where the sun don't shine on a cold and gray Chicago morn, another dozen baby children were born in the ghetto.